0: Hi, this is Brooke from Milwaukee. I'm folding my laundry and
1: reorganizing my drawers to separate my sleeping pajamas from my daytime pajamas. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. Because if I'm going to stay at home all the time, I'm at least going to be cozy. This podcast was recorded at
0: 2.03 p.m. on Wednesday, February 3rd.
1: Things may have changed
2: by the time you hear this, but I'll probably still be wearing pajamas. Enjoy the show.
0: Uh, this is a, this. I relate to this timestamp in a way that almost makes me uncomfortable.
2: I think we should take a poll. I bet we're all in our daytime pajamas right now.
0: <laughs> I don't. I don't have any comment on that.
2: <laughs>
0: hey there, it's the NPR Politics Podcast. I'm Susan Davis. I cover Congress.
2: I'm Claudia Grisardis. I
1: also cover Congress. And I'm Mara Liasson, National Political Correspondent.
0: And House Republicans are dealing with problems involving two of their members, but for very different reasons. The first is Liz Cheney. She's the number three ranking House Republican. And the second is Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia. Claudia, let's start with Cheney. She obviously voted to impeach President Trump. That's something we've talked about a lot on the pod. And now some of her colleagues want her kicked out of leadership for that. Um,
2: Who is who's driving this effort? This is the Trump wing of the Republican Party. These are the populist members, so members of the Freedom Caucus have been especially vocal in this effort. That includes Matt Gates of Florida, who traveled to Wyoming on this anti-Cheney tour, if you will. And other members of the Freedom Caucus, such as its chairman, Andy Biggs of Arizona, are also vocal supporters of her removal.
0: What has Cheney had to say about all this?
2: She has been largely silent publicly. A reporter caught her this morning, just before this meeting, and she said she would have more to say after today's GOP conference meeting on Capitol Hill later this afternoon. But largely, her talking is taking place behind closed doors. We haven't heard a lot from her publicly, other than she made her decision to impeach the president. She made a statement ahead of time. And since that time, we've been awaiting more word to see where she stands on all this and all of this pressure.
0: Republicans are also facing pressure to take Marjorie Taylor Greene off of her committee assignments. I believe she's on the Education Committee and the Budget Committee. I don't exactly know how to explain uh, succinctly what the problem with Marjorie Taylor Greene is, so I would put it to either one of you. What exactly is the problem that Republicans
1: are facing with her? Well, Republicans are facing the problem that she represents the QAnon wing of her party. She has tweeted a litany of offensive things, conspiratorial statements. Uh, She has either liked or retweeted statements calling for violence against members of Congress. She has talked about Jewish space lasers that caused wildfires in California. And um, she, of course, is one of the biggest proponents of the lie that Donald Trump had a victory in 2020 stolen from him.
0: Mara, these problems seem to be sort of metaphors for the bigger identity crisis that the Republican Party is in after Trump's
1: loss. Right. I can't think of a more perfect uh, symbol of this problem than you've got one member of the leadership, Liz Cheney, who is extremely conservative on policy, but she believes that Donald Trump, um, you know, ginned up the mob to storm the Capitol And thought and voted for his impeachment. On the other side, you have Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is about as simpatico with the protesters uh, who wanted to overturn the election as any member of Congress. And the problem for Republicans is that Marjorie Taylor Greene represents a much bigger chunk of the Republican base than Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney has the establishment behind her, but Marjorie Taylor Greene has the voters.
0: It's also fascinating because leadership didn't whip the vote on impeachment. It was they told members it would be a vote of conscience. And Liz Cheney clearly voted her conscience. And now she's being punished for that. And that's actually not something we normally see when leadership says you can vote however you want on this. There doesn't tend to be consequences. And I think, Claudia, does speak to how loyal the rank and file in the House Republican Conference are to President Trump over almost anything else.
2: Right. I just spoke to a Republican strategist recently, Brendan Buck, who was an advisor to former House Speaker Paul Ryan. And he was saying that what we're seeing play out in real time is the populist wing swallowing up the traditional, more establishment wing of the party time and time again. He goes back to the Access Hollywood video moment for then-candidate uh, Donald Trump. Trump. Trump, who was running for president, and thinking that was going to be the moment the party was going to shift, and it didn't. And so in the last several years, he has seen again and again the party buck to this populist wing. So this debate between Cheney and Green is forcing these leaders to decide right now who's going to be the face of their party. Green is forcing them to either address her claims or risk she will become the new face for the party.
1: And don't forget, she had a conversation with President Trump that she tweeted about, uh, which she made very clear that he's 100 percent behind her. She's 100 percent for him. I don't know if that strengthened her position or not. But, you know, there is a precedent for this. Uh, The Republican Party pretty much ostracized one of their own members in the House, Steve King of Iowa. Right. And Liz Cheney took the lead on that. He was somebody who had made statements over the years expressing sympathy with white supremacy. I think the straw that gro- broke the camel's back for him was when he said, Western civilization, white supremacy, nationalism, when did those words become offensive? Something like that. And he was removed from his party positions.
0: So Claudia, when are Republicans going to decide the fates of these two members?
2: So there will be a GOP conference meeting later today on Capitol Hill, and that's when they're going to be going through the fates of both Cheney and Green. Now, when it comes to Green, she has met with McCarthy already, so we're going to see a little bit of a sequel to that today and see if they'll be able to talk about publicly where they stand with her. As far as Cheney is concerned, we'll see if these calls, especially from establishment members, and this includes Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, will give her the boost she needs to overcome all of these calls for her to step down from her leadership post.
0: One of the things that I wonder about in this situation, especially with Marjorie Taylor Green, is whether Democrats are maybe overplaying their hand a little bit or at least risking setting what could be a precedent that comes back to bite them. Because if they move of their own party to remove her from these committee assignments, I mean, that just doesn't happen. One party doesn't tend to you know, get in another party's affairs, and there isn't much precedent for doing that. When they removed Steve King, Republicans decided to do that to their own. Traditionally, parties decide who sit on their committees, not the other. And I think Republicans are already kind of pushing back and saying, look, if you do this now, when we're in control, we're going to do the same thing right back to you when you have lawmakers who say things we don't support.
1: And you'd think there are other th- ways Democrats could make sure that Marjorie Taylor Greene was the Republicans' problem, even while they expressed their fierce disapproval of her. I mean, she could be censured. There's a lot of other things you can do. But to remove for the Democrats to remove her from committees, um, I think that does set up a kind of downward spiral. You know, and, and I would think that it's in Democrats' political interest to make this a Republican problem.
0: All right. So let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll talk more about these divisions in the Republican Party. This message comes from NPR sponsor Satva, the comfort company. Satva luxury mattresses are made in America by expert craftsmen using the highest quality materials so that your mattress will provide comfortable sleep for years and years. Satva mattresses are always delivered to your home and set up in the room of your choice. They're never folded and never squeezed into a small box. Visit SAA NPR where NPR listeners save an additional $225. Satva, the comfort company. We are still in the middle of this pandemic. And right now, having science news you can trust, from variants to vaccines, is essential. NPR Shortwave has your back. About 10 minutes every weekday, listen and subscribe to Shortwave, the daily science podcast from NPR. And we're back. And it's incredibly rare for a party leader to weigh in on what's going on in the other chamber. But this week, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell weighed in on all of this going on in the House with Marjorie Taylor Greene. And he put out a pretty pointed statement saying, quote, Loony lies and conspiracy theories are cancer for the Republican Party and our country. Somebody, and this somebody is Marjorie Taylor Greene, although he doesn't name her directly, who suggested that perhaps no airplane hit the Pentagon on 9-11, that horrifying school shootings were pre-staged, and that the Clintons crashed JFK Jr.'s airplane is not living in reality. This has nothing to do with the challenges facing American families or the robust debates on substance that can strengthen our party." Mara, what do you think Mitch McConnell's motivation is here? I mean, this is not a leader who is known to speak when he doesn't have something very specific to say.
1: No. I think while a lot of political America is focusing on the 72 or 5% of Republicans who believe in the lie that Donald Trump's great victory was stolen from him. Mitch McConnell is paying attention to the other 28% of Republicans who if they are repelled by this kind of conspiracy theory, violence mongering, whatever you want to call it, that could break the Republican Party. And Mitch McConnell wants to be the majority leader again after 2022 and I think he's you know he's his motivation is pretty plain. He sees Marjorie Taylor Greene as a threat to the Republican Party's political prospects. And otherwise, why would he speak up about something that should be confined to the House? Now, I don't know what um, what good it's going to do him. Yeah. He has a very low approval rating among Republicans. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene is supported by a lot of the party. And don't forget, he floated another kind of trial balloon not long ago when he criticized Donald Trump for... Uh, encouraging the mob to go up to the Capitol. And he kind of left it dangling out there that maybe he was open to voting for conviction. And that fell with a big thud. You know, he didn't get a lot of takers on that. But he's still out there, you know, planting a flag for where he feels the Republican Party has to be, or else uh, they're going to be consigned to a minority for a long time.
2: I think Mara brings up a really good point in terms of the the tensions that we're seeing McConnell walk into in terms of considering looking at the national prospects. They lost the House, the Senate, and the White House under Trump. And I imagine that McConnell and others don't want to do that again. They want to get control somewhere, perhaps in the next couple of years, they could get control of the House or Senate at that time. So they're looking at their national prospects. Meanwhile, an opposing motivation here we're seeing with these House members that are, for example, fighting against uh, any objections to Green, for example, are saying are focusing on their primaries who are we going to listen to the Republican voters that will get us past our primary because we're not in much danger when it comes to the general you know the national influence maybe we'll lose that, but they'll continue on their kind of self-interested paths and I think that's a little bit of what we're seeing play out here, especially with McConnell
1: right. and Senators generally have to appeal to a broader audience right um, so and that's what McConnell's thinking about too
2: yeah. Claudia, it's
0: so striking to me how different the responses of the Republican leaders have been after January 6th and towards former President Trump. I mean, Mitch McConnell has just taken a totally different tact than House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. They clearly don't seem to be on the same
2: page here. Exactly. We're seeing this widening gulf play out between McCarthy and McConnell in those initial hours after the insurrection. It appeared these leaders might be on the same page. But more recently, after McCarthy caught criticism for directing some of the blame for the insurrection at Trump, he flew down to the former president's Mar-a-Lago resort. And that just illustrates he's not ready for a divorce from Trumpism. Meanwhile, McConnell, on the other hand, he's opened the door on this possible divorce. That said, Trumpism keeps pulling back on the party. So we're seeing this play out in terms of these two leaders just kind of pulling this party in two different directions right now.
1: And remember, the direction, this is not a debate about policy. Trumpism isn't about policy except for maybe, you know, guns and immigration. But this is about whether you're going to accept the reality that Donald Trump describes or... What you see with your own eyes and ears and what the judiciary tells you is an actual fact. I mean, that's, that seems to be the dividing line. People who want to align themselves with Trump and conspiracy theories and people who don't. Hmm.
0: All right. Well, I think we'll leave it there for today. We'll be back in your feeds tomorrow. I'm Susan Davis. I cover Congress. I'm Claudia Grisales. I, too,
1: cover Congress. And I'm Mara Lyason, national political correspondent. And thanks for listening
0: to the NPR
2: Politics Podcast.